It is late on the eve of Good Friday in the year 1300, and Dante Alighieri is lost in the dark woods. Midway through his life, Dante wakes from what he describes as a slumber of his spirit, and looks up to find the dark forest surrounding him. The Italian poet does not know how long his soul was dormant while his body carried on, but taking the time to gather himself, Dante looks back and sees the treacherous path which he has escaped, and then feels hope as in the distance the sun begins to rise. But after such an absence, he looks around wonders, where can he go from here? Dante tries to ascend a mountain ahead, but his course is blocked by a panther which jumps into his path. A lion then descends with a ravenous wolf not far behind. It seems that he has no choice but to go back into the darkness, until he sees a vision in the distance the shape of what seems to be a man in ancient Roman dress. As the vision becomes clear, the figure speaks, and Dante recognizes him as the poet Virgil, whose work was the single greatest influence on Dante's own. Virgil asks Dante why he has turned from the good mountain ahead and travels back into darkness. When Dante tells him about the beasts, Virgil responds that he does know another way out of the woods. But this way is no shortcut. Instead, it will take Dante through a darker place than he has ever been before. There is only one path forward for the poet, and it leads through hell and back. My name is Sean. Welcome to Mythos and Logos. Virgil is, to put it lightly, Dante's hero. So it is no surprise when he asks why the ancient Roman author would appear to him in this dark place. To Dante... The spirit of the ancient poet represents the heights of human reason, the wisdom of the past, and the greatest inspiration to his own poetry. Virgil responds that he was sent to Dante by a woman named Beatrice, who knew him in her earthly life. She has seen Dante struggle from her place in paradise, and sent Virgil to help him before he becomes too lost. So Virgil takes Dante through the forest, and before long a gate appears before them. This is the gate to hell. Virgil warns Dante to have courage and to follow him, as they must pass the souls of those who have abandoned noble life and have been damned to suffer for it. As they enter, they pass these words 
carved in stone above the gate. Through me the way is to the city Doland. Through me the way is to eternal Dole. Through me the way among the people lost. Before me there were no created things. Only turn, and I eternal lay. All hope abandon, ye who enter in. And hope is indeed in short supply past the gates. Beyond the outermost circle of limbo, home to virtuous non-Christians, note that despite his disagreements with the church, Dante's theology is still distinctly Catholic, each of the other realms is filled with sadness and suffering. Yet Dante's path does not bring him through hell to simply judge these sinners from afar. Rather, he meets them face to face. In one outer circle, belonging to the lustful, shades are blown about by a tornado, mirroring how they were moved at the mercy of their passions in life, out of control. Here Dante notices two spirits which, despite how they're blown about, manage to hold together to each other. These are the spirits of Francesca de Ramini and her lover, Paolo Malatesta, who were killed when Giovanni, Francesca's husband and Paolo's brother, discovered that they were having an affair. Francesca tells Dante of her loveless marriage for politics to Giovanni, and how she and Paolo fell in love when reading of Sir Lancelot's affair with Queen Guinevere in Arthurian romance. Their story is tragic, beautiful, and distinctly human, happening within the span of Dante's own life. In circle after circle of the Inferno, Dante speaks with the damned sinners and comes not to judge them, but to understand or pity them as humans. Among the greedy, forced to roll massive stones, the hypocrites weighed down by heavy lead cloaks which appear beautiful on the outside, and the wrathful shades cheering each other to shreds, Dante feels pity seeing a fate that very well could have been his own. Now Dante continues on through Inferno, narrowly escaping danger with Virgil's wisdom as his guide. But as he descends, Dante discovers something unexpected. The depths of the Inferno are not a fiery place, but an icy one. The deepest circle of hell is a frozen lake in which traitors are submerged, separated from the warmth of God, the way that they separated themselves from their loyalties. Lucifer, the king of the Inferno, is at the center, not on a throne, but frozen, with only the three greatest traitors as his company, 
Caesar's killers, Brutus and Cassius, and Judas, who betrayed Christ. And unlike the tempest which randomly blows about the lustful, in the center of Inferno there is no motion. It is not the passions which rule this realm, but the complete and willing separation of betrayal. This is why Lucifer sits at the very center of the earth, the single farthest point from heaven, as he willingly separated himself from God. And in the center of Inferno, hope is indeed abandoned, as is all motion, and with it, any possibility for change. But it is at this deepest pit that Dante's world turns upside down. Like how at the North Pole every direction is south, from the center of hell there's nowhere to go but up. And unlike the citizens of the sad place trapped motionless in the ice, Dante and Virgil move forward, climbing up through an unused path until they finally exit the other side, with Inferno behind them, to breathe fresh air and see the stars once more. When Dante and Virgil emerge, they find themselves at the foot of a mountain unlike any they have ever seen. This is Mount Purgatory, which repentant sinners climb to ready themselves for paradise. The path is narrow, and the peak is higher than the eye can see. Dante fears that he, with his all-too-human body, will fall behind, but Virgil, a true companion, encourages him to carry on. Spent with fatigue was I when I began. O my sweet father, turn thee and behold how I remain alone unless thou stay. O son, he said, up yonder drag thyself, pointing me to a terrace somewhat higher, which on that side encircles all the hill. These words of his so spurred me on that I strained every nerve behind him scrambling up until the circle was beneath my feet. Note that Virgil does not point Dante to the mountaintop, even though that summit is his goal. Instead, the poet's wisdom pushes him to a place that is both within reach and in the right direction. Perhaps this explains one strange characteristic of the mountain, that the higher one ascends, the easier the climb becomes. The shades that Dante encounters on his journey up Mount Purgatory are still sinners. But what makes them different from the souls trapped in Inferno is that they turned away from their old life. And also, unlike Inferno, there is clear motion here in Purgatory. Souls rest by night lest they stumble backwards in the darkness, but make the climb by day in the way which purifies their souls. The proud 
are weighed down to bow, climbing in humility. The envious have no choice but to carry each other. And by listening to their stories, Dante, too, is able to ascend. As the Inferno showed him just how hopeless and out of control his prior life was, the souls in Purgatorio show Dante that it is never too late to move in the right direction. In time, Dante's climb brings him to the peak of Mount Purgatory, where he finds himself in the earthly paradise, the Garden of Eden. What happens next is something that Dante struggles to put into words. Step back and consider that Dante essentially invented the modern Italian language, and even a genius like him does not have the words to describe what happens next easily. I'll try my best. But this is because in the earthly paradise, Dante stops thinking and starts feeling, experiencing not through thought but through emotion. Dante meets Beatrice in the garden, the woman who meant so much to him in her earthly life, and who from heaven sent Virgil to save him from the beasts in the dark forest. Beatrice becomes Dante's new guide, as Virgil is left behind. He crowns Dante as the master of himself, symbolizing that wisdom and tradition has taken him as far as it can. From now on, it is love and grace personified in Beatrice which will lead the poet. Dante drinks from Lethe, the river of forgetfulness, leaving past sins behind now that he has moved past them. This river appears in ancient Greek tradition, but Beatrice takes Dante one step farther drinking from a second river, Eunoe, meaning good mind, which strengthens Dante's connection to goodness and love. This river's water is beautiful and pure in a way that the poet's words cannot describe, and with that love flowing through him, Dante and Beatrice ascend to paradise, ready to walk among the stars. Paradiso is radically different, as Dante finds himself beyond what reason alone can comprehend. Yet, when they ascend to the first sphere of paradise, the moon, he sees that its structure still resembles the other realms, organized in a series of ascending rings. Now this challenges Dante's Catholic theology. If paradise is supposed to be a perfect communion with the divine, how can there be different levels? But the moon itself helps to answer. It has lighter and darker spots, and Beatrice explains this is not because some receive more light than the others. Rather, each part of the moon reflects the light of the sun to the best of its ability. 
and each soul is the same, like a polished mirror reflecting the light of God in its own way. Any differences between them are not because some souls receive more or less of the divine light, but because each one reflects that divinity in a different way. The souls that appear in lower spheres aren't any less perfect. They are perfected versions of their unique selves in the place in paradise best suited to them. And going through paradise, the full pattern of the divine comedy is revealed. Just as each sinner has their own punishment in Inferno, and each repentant has their own challenge in Purgatorio, each virtue has its own glory in Paradiso. Throughout paradise, Dante ascends among the stars, representing the virtues he lost sight of in life and began to see again upon leaving the inferno. At each level, Dante's eyes are opened to another aspect of divinity, perfected love on Venus, perfected leadership on Jupiter, perfected wisdom on the sun. And Beatrice continues to lead Dante upward through even the realm of angels. Here, Beatrice tells of how Lucifer rebelled against God and came crashing down to Earth, forming the Inferno at its core and creating the mountain of Purgatorio with the displaced land, and how the loyal angels remain here in Paradise, circling a central point of light. Dante and Beatrice then move toward this point of indescribable light which marks the boundary between the universe and the divine. And it is in this final sphere that Beatrice is incomprehensibly beautiful, like a mirror polished to perfection, reflecting the complete light of God. Dante describes the woman he knew on earth. Not only does the beauty I beheld transcend ourselves, but truly I believe its maker only may enjoy it all. As they pass through this light, there is an all-encompassing flash, and Dante is gifted with the ability to see this final sphere of paradise, the Empyrean, clearly. And he perceives in the distance a river of flowing light. Living sparks jump from the river, and when Dante drinks its water, he sees a rose of light, each glowing petal being a perfected soul. At the center of the rose is the Virgin Mary, who the saints revere as the highest of all humans, and she points Dante, higher still, to gaze upon God himself. The poet writes that he can only describe the vision like one trying to describe a dream the next morning, and his language is limited like a child trying to explain complex theory. In his best attempt to describe what he sees, Dante tells of three circles of colorful light, each reflecting the others, like eyes looking into each other sharing the same place, 
each light made of pure goodness. When he writes his story, Dante is honest that he cannot fully describe this light that he saw, but tells that he is still moved by its love, the same love which moves the sun and all the stars. Dante's journey in the Divine Comedy is very clearly a personal one, as it is his own story. But it is also a universal story, as Dante's journey across the cosmos is a roadmap for a psychological journey that we each take within ourselves. Because with the full comedy in mind, we can see that even as he descended into Inferno, Dante was actually moving up toward heaven. In the beginning, Dante is lost in the woods, being attacked from all angles, and has lost sight of the stars. But even then, he does not walk alone, as others have taken this journey before. Their tradition, personified in Virgil, strengthens Dante's mind to see the endpoint of the path of sin, frozen solid like Lucifer, separated from the presence of love. And once Dante sees that darkest point, he leaves it behind and never turns back. When he emerges, Dante can see the stars once more, stars being something above him, higher than himself that he can fix his sights upon. On the mountain of purgatory, the others making the climb help Dante to better himself as he journeys upward toward these stars, his higher principles, strengthening him and making the journey easier with each step. When he arrives at the earthly paradise, Dante has both mastered reason as personified in Virgil and opened himself to a pure, subtle, emotional experience as seen through Beatrice. This allows him to dwell among the stars and even move beyond them to experience love itself, the driving force of all creation. And though no other soul Dante meets shares his exact experiences, they are all on a journey to the same endpoint. The pattern of this journey is equally true for us, no matter where on Dante's path we find ourselves. Whether we are lost in the woods, or going through hell, or are working to improve ourselves. The Divine Comedy shows a core principle valid for all. Fix your eyes on the stars and keep moving forward. So this is one of the longer episodes we've had recently, and we've still barely scratched the surface of the Divine Comedy. This is my third time going through it as a work, and each time something new stands out to me. So I hope that something was able to stand out to you, whether this is your first time hearing about Dante, or one of many. 
For those interested in learning more about Dante, I highly recommend the Renaissance podcast by Richard Emerson. Richard did a fantastic series on the comedy and Dante's other work, which truly goes in-depth into the beauty and amazing references of Dante. I wish you all the best and thank you very much for your support, whether that be just through watching and being here, through leaving a comment and joining the discussion, or through our wonderful patrons. I thank you very much, and I'll see you next time.